I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Seriously, the new statesman podcast that takes pop culture seriously. I'm Caroline Crampton. And I'm Anna Leskovich. This week, we're talking about the This Country special called The Aftermath and Desiree Akavan's new Channel 4 show, The Bisexual. We've also watched Jodie Whittaker's first episode of Doctor Who, so we'll be talking about how that went later in the show. Hello. Hello. Welcome back to another episode of Seriously. I just spent a weekend in Cheltenham for the Cheltenham Literature Festival which was really nice. Cheltenham is where I'm from. It's quite weird seeing the kind of depressing, damp parks of your youth turned into kind of the glitzy, I don't know, middle-class festival uh, (laughs) site that the Cheltenham Literature Festival is. It's all kind of fairy lights and big tents and like vintage buses selling cocktails is a thing, like a big kind of there was a big mint double-decker London bus, but in this very tasteful mint green um, that was giving out or, well, you bought them, where you could go and buy a gin and tonic or something. So that's very much the vibe of the Cheltenham Literature Festival, which is kind of in keeping with the general vibe of Cheltenham, but not the Cheltenham that I was sort of part of growing up. Uh, and yeah, the in the, the site of much of the Literature Festival is just like this kind of quite empty park or gardens most of the year and I just really associate it with cans of Strongbow in the middle of the night <laughs> being I remember you know getting your alcohol taken off you by the some sort of like community support policeman dra- them tipping it onto the grass in front of your sad little face that's mainly <laughs> what I remember it from but yeah I went to see Sally Rooney speak which was great and it's a it's a cool thing every year I just wish that I could like take two weeks off work and actually do it properly but alas I yeah I I do always wonder with literary festivals like who goes to them because they do always look really cool they look retired most of the people at, at these festivals yes, that, that's my inevitable conclusion is that they are mainly aimed at retired people who can go to multiple book-based events on weekday evenings yeah you um, either you're either retired you live in the town or you're working for the times and sunday times that's the impression that i got <laughs> <laughs> okay yes fair enough but it was it was cool to, to pop in and out and i took my dog to cheltenham for the first time so that was really nice so actually what you're saying about cans in the park being different to the glitz and glamour makes me think a lot of what we're going to talk about first this week oh yeah true the first thing we're going to talk about this week 
is This Country, a BBC Three mockumentary set in Gloucestershire, holla, written by and starring siblings Daisy May and Charlie Cooper. It's already been picked up for a third season, which airs in 2019, and the one-off special titled The Aftermath just aired. So yeah, we've talked about this country a lot on Seriously because we're both big fans. I'm a huge fan because partly because I grew up in Gloucestershire about 20 minutes away from um, where this is filmed. And it's just really, the humour translates completely, whether you know anything about rural Gloucestershire or British um, life at all, or whether you've grown up in somewhere boring, or whether you, you know, even if you're London born and bred, the humour in it is very translatable. It's just really silly and funny. And this special comes just after the second season, and the second season ended on a bit of a cliffhanger. Spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't seen the end of the second season or hasn't seen the special, just go away, watch it. I think it's still all available on iPlayer. Mm, Um, You need to go and watch it. We can't recommend it enough. But the second season ended with Kerry being about to make the decision of whether or not to take the blame for her dad's crimes, which were uh, (laughs) stealing and storing a bunch of stolen Hoover's in his house and in a lockup that Kerry was owning in her name and in the bowls club where Curtin works. And she was just about to decide whether or not to take the blame for Martin Mucklow. And he was kind of saying things to her, like she was saying to him, Oh, you'll write to me in prison. Won't you dad? And he was saying like, well, I'm very busy care. Actually don't know if I'll have time to write to you in prison. Um, <laughs> and Kerry's kind of like a sick puppy who can't help, but do anything her dad says even though he's visibly a reprehensible character to everyone else in the show and everyone watching and that's kind of where a lot of the tension for her character and her storyline has come from over the past couple of seasons and it's also where a lot of the humor comes from but it's like completely heartbreaking humor and there is a line in it where Kerry says something like oh you know a lot of people have said to me now like you've got to stop looking out for your dad care it's embarrassing you know it's just it's just got completely heartbreaking at this point, to be honest. <laughs> and it's so funny. So yeah, that's where that's where the, the current um, special starts off. And I was really delighted with the direction they went with in this special. Me too. It's so, so good. And I have to say the, the mockumentary style works even better, I think. In a, it works great in the regular series, but I think it works even better for like a one-off sort of responding to a specific event like this because it makes even more sense that you would like interview different people in the community at different points to sort of get their take. And yeah, just when it's all surrounding like this one pivot point, it's really, really good. And so, yeah, you're, I mean, it's, you're never, it's never quite explained how far on it is but it's like a few weeks right so, I think it's um, a few months because a few they've, months. They've, they've done the trial and everything right yeah um I think they say maybe say something like the last seven months or something but I can't I can't quite remember mm. but yeah so you're you're not sure whether Kerry's basically going to be locked up in prison or whether she's going to be out and about in the town as she has been when the episode starts yeah but it's quickly revealed that she is free because she testified against her dad uh, it's, and... it's revealed in a really wonderful way where mm-hmm. you see Curtin kind of knocking about as he always is and then he shows you the BBC News videos or clips on his telly of the coverage of the trial and there's a big still of the kind of court drawing of Martin Curtin and <laughs> Kerry in which they all look absolutely hideous and he's kind of saying like 
no human looks like that. And it's a really, I've like three different people sent me the screenshot of the drawing, like, oh my God, I was in bits kind of thing. And then the camera just swivels to Kerry going like, all right, mate, calm down. Kind of, and you're like, <laughs> oh yay. And it's a real like, yay, she's yeah. there sort of moment quite early on. But I've watched this twice now with different people both times. And the 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 super fans were like so delighted at that moment. And then there are some people who haven't watched it as closely who are just like, yeah, cool. <laughs> so like I think if you've been following the narrative of like Kerry not stopping at anything for her dad and then you see her just sat there it's just such a relief and you know this show does veer into the bleak at times and I'm really pleased that they didn't make this some sort of uh, bleak storyline where Kerry has served time for her dad mm-hmm. I think it would have been wouldn't have been a great decision um but yeah so we get we get straight back into it and just after we see those clips we see that Kerry um, is, to quote the vicar, behaving like the Antichrist. And she's going, she's going around yep. <laughs> being antisocial, acting out because she can't cope with these conflicting feelings she's now having about her father. And there's just some great moments of her sort of like on her on her BMX in the newsagent or she like just punches Curtin in the arm out of nowhere and then goes, sorry. <laughs> and my favourite one was where she just like pulls some ivy off a wall. Yeah. And then throws it on the floor, just like, ah! <laughs> um, so that's the premise of the episode. And she also um, kind of gets to know her stepbrothers and her dad's um, partner as a way to kind of cope with what's happening. Meanwhile, we find out Curtin's lost his job at the Bowls Club. So his storyline yeah. is about coming to terms with that. And I think they're such typical, perfect fairly low stakes smallest country style plot lines but there's so much genuine feeling in them because even though they seem very low stakes um on the surface in that well this bowls job for curtain is that really that big of a deal like he can get a, a different job who cares and you know yeah kerry's finally realized that her dad's an asshole we've known that for ages whatever but to both of the characters of course they're like incredibly monumental things in their lives Mm -hmm. and so it's really i don't know i always think that the mix of kind of like hysterical funny ridiculousness and the like genuine heartstring pulling like god this actually means quite a lot to these characters uh, balance is struck really well in this country. yeah I felt that especially strongly in Curtin's storyline with the bowls club and I absolutely loved all of the tiny little details where you know he's reminiscing about like oh Frank will be you know bending down around now to <laughs> tie up his shoelace you know, he knows the place so well it's it's part of him and now he's been turned out of it and it's really devastating you know there's a there's a bit where he's talking, I think he's talking with Slugs about, you know, getting over a relationship. And Slugs is clearly talking about a partner and Curtin is talking about the bowls club as like someone who broke up with him and a relationship he now has to get over. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's 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 really adorable. And I feel especially uh, since since the last series of this country was on, um, I've had a summer of living in a village with two bowls clubs. Oh, um, wow. Of course. And. So now I recognise even more how well observed all of the like bowls club drama is. I really love um, the um he sort of can't he can't stop himself from going to have a sneaky look mm-hmm. at what the bowls club are up to. And there's a there's a line that just really had me in bits where he obviously the the, the bowls club are all a slightly older um clientele and <laughs> They look exactly the same as they did in the last series, the series before, but you just hear Curtin go, they've all aged so horribly as well. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and that really, 
got a good laugh out of me. My favourite moment, though, of the whole episode was definitely near the beginning where you get this montage of Kerry acting out and it cuts to her doing some community service, um, mm-hmm. which is what she's had to do for her role in her dad's um, Hoover stealing crime. And it's her reading The Cat and the Hat um, to the visually impaired. So she's describing the pictures on the page as she's reading out in a very kind of like stilted reading voice, um, the words on the page. And she just says something like, and then we've got a drawing of a cat wearing a very much too large of a hat. And there's a goldfish (laughs) in a bowl going, uh, doing a face as if to say, what the fuck? And I believe it's in connection with the hat. <laughs> it's just so funny. And like, they're really, they're so skilled at just bringing these kind of nostalgic, childish observations into this comedy. There's a moment where Kerry's teaching her stepbrothers how to run. And mm-hmm. she's like, you have to hold your hands like this really sharp so that they're more aerodynamic. And like stuff like that is just such a genuine, like, it just makes me think like, oh yeah, you did say shit like that when you were a kid and you did believe things like that. And they just bring that into the into the script in such a natural way. It never feels forced, you know, when they're talking about pogs or whatever. It never feels mm-hmm. like they're just trying to shoehorn a reference in. But also it, the texture of it is so based in those kind of like things that you do as a child out of complete boredom. And that's where the arrested development element of it comes in. And it just is pitch perfect every time. I can't get enough of it. Mm, yeah I cannot wait for another series um yeah apparently they start filming it early next year uh and even I was reading I think I was reading the show's wikipedia page after I finished watching this because I wanted more stuff and apparently it only takes them about a month to film a series of this yeah it's I think it's actually you know it was a very low budget production when it started Mm. they used the same sets and the same shots quite a lot and I think they do a lot of like not improvisation because I think the script is is fairly locked down but you know they there's always in a in the credits additional material the cast yeah so i think they're flexible with it and i think that's why it feels so natural when you watch it i'm sandra and i'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use linkedin jobs linkedin has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me in a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. 
In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. So next, we're going to talk about The Bisexual, which is a Channel 4 drama written by and starring Desiree Akavan. She plays Layla, who starts the series as the work and life partner of Sadie, who's played by Maxine Peake. But very soon, the couple are on a break and Layla is experimenting with dating men for the first time in her life. Now, you recommended this to me. Um, I hadn't actually heard of it coming at all. And so I was interested to read a little bit about the background. And I found that apparently she took, uh, because um, Desiree Akavan is Iranian-American, she had taken this to like every network in the US and been told no. And then it was Channel mm. 4 who finally gave it a chance. Yeah, which is which amazing. Is amazing. Because it's so slick and polished. And like, I found it really, really funny in a lot of places. That I find it bizarre that like HBO or Netflix or somewhere didn't want it. But whatever, it's our gain over here in Britain, I guess. Yeah, it is. And I feel like, you know, some American glitz and glamour is always great for British broadcasters like Channel 4. But one thing that is really amazing about this is that uh, it's all set in London and Desiree Akvan, as you say, is Iranian-American, but she has spent a lot of time Mm -hmm. in London. And that really shows in this drama, which is set in a London that I know completely. And some, some programs set in London are not set in a London that I know. And that's neither a necessarily a compliment or a criticism because there are obviously parts of London and you know types of people living in London that I'm just not interacting with all the time but like this felt really genuine to me they go to a club night um in the first or second episode that I've been to several times called Aphrodite um and there's just there's like a little joke about Hampstead ladies ponds at one bit like and just the you know even even there's a bit where they go to the red lion um on hoxton street and it just feels very very real and genuine and also a lot of the humor comes from that setting and comes from the kind of social satire that they're doing but it's never to me feels like straightforward mockery which is i think so so easy to do um for example there's a bit where they all go to a performance art night and instead of it just being straightforward like look at these idiots watching this idiotic performance art aren't they delusional and pretentious and vapid instead it's like they're allowed to be moved and it's allowed to be like a genuine thing that they have so I think the London setting is why I sort of wanted to recommend this and the way that they've presented London in it it's is really interesting and really good. I also think that maybe if it had ended up being made in America, they wouldn't have cast Maxine Peake, which yeah, which, which would have been, been a great, great loss. loss because she is fantastic in this. Like the very first five minutes of the show, which takes the form of um, Layla and Sadie being like interviewed by a really obnoxious journalist, because as I said, like, as well as being life partners or not life partners as it turns out but partners they are business partners and they're about to launch I think what they call Shazam for clothes or Shazam for fashion or something they don't really go into it but so they're being interviewed as like cool lesbian entrepreneurs 
I mean, it sounds good though. It for does. For clothes. Yeah. I know all of these like Uber for whatever things. So that's normally a phrase you use to mock something. But I would like to be able to just take a photo of someone on the high street and then get mm. the outfit. That, that would, would be, be great. great. Yeah. <laughs> so apparently that is the the app they're, they're launching. And so basically within the first five minutes, you get this incredible dynamic between uh, Maxine Peake and Desiree Akfam where they're like both trying to seem like a loved up couple for the interviewer. But at the same time, their answers keep diverging on questions like, do you want to have kids or stuff like that, mm-hmm. um, which just immediately makes you think like, oh, this is not going well. And then there's a really awkward bit where Maxine Peake proposes while they're in the loo. And at the same time, there's a reference like, actually, can we, you know, maybe take a break for a while? And that's the kind of setup of the whole thing. And I think you need an actor of Maxine Peake's quality to make that seem plausible otherwise because she's not in it a huge amount after that she would seem too much like a plot device I think whereas even in that first like five ten minutes I was really invested in her character like I really want to know more about her Mm -hmm. and you need to get a sense of the risk Mm. that um, Layla Desiree Ackman's character is taking by leaving Sadie Maxine Peake's character because they have a very secure relationship and a very loving relationship and all their friends overlap and you want, on top of all those kind of contextual, practical elements, you want to feel compelled by their relationship. And even though, as you say, it becomes immediately clear that they do have all these problems, you are compelled by their relationship. And I don't know how the series ends, but if the series did end with them getting back together, I would find I would yeah. be completely mm. fine with that and I would buy it. Um, but at the same time, the reason that um, Layla wants to have this break it is perhaps... There's the underlying reason, although she doesn't articulate this to Sadie or even anyone at the beginning of the show, is that she is feeling like she has unexplored feelings for men and that she maybe is bisexual. Um, And so she starts dating men. And that's when this show kind of becomes like a dating show, essentially. And I think and it's a really good one because I think it's really realistic but often sometimes dating comedies that profess to be realistic go really far in the direction of being like bleak and depressing. Whereas what I really like about this show is that it shows sex and dating as like imperfect, but not without joy and not without like connection. And um, so she meets uh, the male friend of her housemate, who's this kind of desperately heterosexual 36 year old called Gabe, who's like sleeping with his younger student. And, you know, he's really as embarrassingly straight as you can get and he he brings a friend he introduces her to a friend and um she starts sleeping with him and he's really nice and like they have really good sex even though it's like messy Mm. sex um and there's like you know the sex scenes in this involve like farting and queefing and like embarrassed giggles and you know people getting bored and stopping halfway through and or people zoning out to think about returning a czar address but they're also having oh, my, fun my personal favorite sex moment in this show comes quite early on when uh she i think it's her first night in the new apartment and she can hear gabe and his student having sex through the wall and so she gives up on trying to masturbate and instead puts an episode of this american life on her phone and just like lies mm-hmm. next to it and listen to it to try and drown out the noise um mm, which i yeah. thought was very funny yeah which is funny yeah and um, i like i like that the sex can be both imperfect and still like pleasurable mm. for characters because i think we i've we've tv tv tends to go one way or the other where it's like 
this is a really great sexy sex scene that's like completely unrealistic and they managed to whip their clothes off in three seconds and they haven't thought about protection or had any conversations or anything and then the other end of the spectrum which is like god she's really hating this it's so bleak and depressing isn't that funny how bleak and depressing it is and it's like well no it's not funny it's kind of just awful in a low level way that we all know um but yeah, so I really like, I really, really enjoyed that element of this. And I think I'm excited to see where it where it goes because it's not like they introduce her to this one male character and it's like, right, that's mm-hmm. her love life plot line sorted. I think quite quickly that moves on and she she starts looking for other people. So yeah, that again feels interesting and dynamic. And yeah, and I've been reading some really interesting responses to it. Uh, Days had a really good panel of bisexual writers like, writing about what it That's means cool. to them, which we'll link to because I thought it was really interesting. And they were really focusing in on some of the ideas about how how cool it is to see this kind of dating show with this kind of sexuality expressed in it and also not have it be a kind of necessarily angsty taboo breaking awful but just be like a funny cool sexy show but specifically about this particular person's profile um but then on top of that they were mentioning a lot and this is something that I think the show really brings out which is the problem or not the problem but like the difficulty that bisexual people navigate is this idea that you're kind of maybe don't feel completely part of like the gay world but neither do you feel completely part of the straight world and that's sort of how Layla's character is portrayed as well like by breaking up or going on a break with Sadie she's leaving her kind of secure comfortable in in a relationship lesbian world but at the same time she doesn't Mm. want to present as like a single straight woman either because that's not what she is so uh yeah they these writers were really interesting on like how that resonated with them and I found that really interesting yeah, that's really fascinating because Layla's part of a, an incredibly solid, tight-knit, supportive lesbian community, which is great to see on TV because, again, that's mm. not even something you normally see on TV. Like, if you like, shows often have gay and lesbian characters, but you don't quite so much get that sense of like, oh, and here are the other six fleshed out lesbian characters. Yeah. Like, that doesn't really happen. And that, that has happened on this program, which I love. And I think um, a lot of the, the anxiety that Layla feels some of it is real and some of it is not. And I think it's it's striking quite a good balance of saying like, God, she's feeling a bit ostracized from the lesbian community without being like, lesbians mm-hmm. are as bad as straight people. Like it's it's done thoughtfully. And and I, yeah, I really like that. One thing I also really like, um, not to totally talk about this in terms of representation, but this is a show about kind of like young hipsters in the vein of like lots of, you know, a lot of shows get, labeled as like Mm. young hipster shows like whether it's girls or search party or whatever and it's one of those but it's about people who are like yeah it's about slightly older um i thought um it's interesting actually i was sort of looking around today for how different reviewers had responded to this and i think in general you can characterize the response where younger critics have really liked it and slightly older critics maybe haven't but a really interesting exception to that is uh, hugo hugo rifkind who i think is possibly even in his 40s, um, straight white man. And he wrote that, he he really liked it. And he said that it's really a show about people who set out to carve themselves new pioneering alt culture identities in their 20s, then find themselves deep into their 30s with no clear roadmap for what comes next. Um, which I think is yeah, re- I think really, really accurate, actually. That, and that's so interesting because you're right that often like a cool hip show is like, 
we just finished college we're millennials lol what do we do now yeah and like our lives are so unstable and we don't know who we are and we're just forming our identities and like this is actually more like the people are the characters in it are more thoughtful than that about their own lives even if they are still you know navigating Mm. questions of identity and stuff and it's nice to see that actually you know you don't leave college form a new identity and then become like a put together 30 something person like everything's just fine that's the yeah the idea whereas yeah this is totally interrogating the idea that you can you only have one identity through your life as well that you can feel differently at 35 than you might at 25 obviously people definitely totally and like it's it it balances lots of different things like this is a this is a show about dating yes but it's also a show about friendships and it's a show about work and it's a show about families and at what age you decide to start families and um it's it's covering a lot of ground for me and I really like that um Sadie Maxine Peake's character she's finding herself Mm. now out of a long-term relationship just as Layla is she's not looking actually to experiment or to you know make big changes in her life in terms of um you know dating new people she was at a point where she wanted to get married and have yeah. children. And she's still at that point just because she's not in a relationship anymore. So it's that that question of how she navigates, you know, maybe wanting to be a mother. Already it's quite challenging. You know, there is there are complications that you have as a as a gay person that you wouldn't have as a straight person in that question. And now she's a single mm. gay person. It's even more complicated. So I'm really I just love that there's all these different often underrepresented under portrayed storylines going on here but it manages to be funny and it's not like it's not like the funniest thing i've seen on tv in a while like it's not like super laugh out loud funny for me it's more like that laugh Mm. of recognition funny which can be really pleasant sometimes that's not necessarily to say that it's not funny yeah no and um so it's managing to do that and be compelling and i like that you know, she's kind to her characters even as she takes mm. the piss out of them, which I think is really difficult to do. It's difficult to write a comedy about kind of inherently funny people and not kind of laugh at them too much. And she doesn't do that. She's really like generous with them. And I think, you know, you want for most of these characters, you want them to have a good life, <laughs> regardless of whether or not they they get back together or meet new people or whatever. So yeah, that's the the actual thing that's compelling me to watch is not that I'm finding it a super hilarious comedy, but that I'm like genuinely interested in the characters and I want to see what happens next to them. So yeah, it's really fascinating. Yeah, I'm really into it and I hope it continues past its current six episodes, I think. So last week I recommended subjected Anna cajoled cajoled Anna into watching the first episode of the new series of Doctor Who which is called The Woman Who Fell to Earth and it's the first episode to star Jodie Whittaker as the Doctor so Anna how did you get on with it yeah what a title The Woman Who Fell to Earth because it immediately makes me think of like Bowie and you know the farthest corners of the intergalactic world but the key word of the title really is earth Mm -hmm. in this one and it is a very kind of like um you know doctor who can be so fantastical sometimes and this was i would say like grittier yeah Um, and more literal and grounded yeah very grounded and it's the, the episode um is set in sheffield um and it's pretty much a normal presentation of sheffield you know with a few obvious um departures 
Um, so I quite liked that that they immediately bring Jodie Whittaker in as the 13th Doctor in this quite like relatable background. And obviously each each um, time that there's a regeneration, quite often there's a new sort of showrunner as mm-hmm. well. Um, and now we've got Chris Chibnall taken. He didn't do the last season, right? He, I don't think just... so. This is where I show my ignorance of all things Doctor Who. I am pretty sure he has been a writer on Doctor Who for a while doing mm. like a few episodes a series doing episodes here and yeah, there, yeah. which is I how think, they normally come in yeah I think he's now taken over from Stephen Moffat as like the whole thing and I'm pretty sure I read somewhere that um that's right yeah I did I read an article a behind the scenes article that BuzzFeed did about the new Doctor Who where he was one of the voices in it and he'd said that a um having the new Doctor be cast as a woman was one of his like hard rules for taking the job and yeah. the other thing was that he wanted to introduce like complete try and introduce complete parity with everyone so like more women producers more women camera operators like everything um yeah i really like which that. was cool that was nice of him <laughs> yeah and um she yeah so she uh, jodie whittaker i've seen mainly a broad church mm-hmm. before this and i did really like her in that but it's completely different kind of role where she was playing like concerned and grieving parent and um in in this she's really bubbly which I'm now like that's not a word you would have used for the David Tennant doctor but there's loads of similarities there yeah I think there are too I think she's very David Tennant-y like she's very energetic and full of like non sequiturs and throwing out like random phrases all over the place and effervescent yeah and David Tennant used to do this effervescent is a good word actually um David Tennant used to do this thing all the time where he like interrupted himself as mm-hmm. he like he was thinking as he was talking and she was doing yeah, totally. she was doing the exact same thing yeah um which i really like actually and it's nice to see that it's funny to think like that you wouldn't have expected us to be sc- discussing a female doctor and being like actually she's really similar mm. to the other doctors um but in that sense she is really similar to a preceding male doctor so that's actually weirdly quite comforting because although you do want each regeneration to be different you do want them to still essentially feel like the same character mm-hmm. because they are for all intents and purposes deep down the same character and i like that it didn't it felt like a continuation rather than a like crazy departure that's probably more important for her as a woman coming in to achieve than yeah for it to just be totally different and then she obviously gets her assistance um and she has a vlogger yeah, she's very, very trendy for her. Very trendy. She, yeah, yeah, she, a dyspraxic vlogger. She has Ryan, like. the vlogger, and Yaz, who's a policewoman. Mm-hmm. Um, she's like a trainee. Yeah, cop, isn't she? Yeah. And then, is it Gary? The Graham. 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 The <laughs> sorry, they all look the same to me. The <laughs> the man, the older white man who is introduced through in this episode through this really sad episode of he um he's sort of. Ryan's step granddad he's his grand's second husband and um she she dies in the course of like saving the world from monsters uh and Graham is sort of like on the edge of the crew as a result he's like Bradley Walsh if you know the Americans listening won't know who Bradley Walsh is but (laughs) it's quite funny to see Bradley Walsh aged up yeah (laughs) um yeah really funny and he's got like kind of got extra extra lines and extra weird hair and yeah it's quite it's quite funny and I don't know um I haven't I haven't watched any of the last few seasons of Doctor Who so I don't know how much this is a, a departure or not but 
it felt very accessible to children mm-hmm. for me, yeah. which I think is a really important part of Doctor Who. I don't like it when it's too adult. I think it should be, it should remain accessible for children. And I think this really pulled that off because like it right, you know, in the deep end of the David Tennant, Matt Smith, Doctor Who series, um, there was a lot of, you know, what they called wibbly wobbly timey wimey stuff that became like, in these big overarching plots that became so incredibly confusing yeah. that I'm just like surely the kids watching like the adults watching obviously aren't following it because it actually doesn't make sense so what hope the kids have I don't know um whereas this didn't feel like that and apparently um Chris Chibnall is not going to do a big overarching plot like the bad wolf plot and other other overarching Doctor Who that's plots, a which smart decision I think it's a good think, decision yeah because yeah. <laughs> also the most iconic Doctor Who episodes really are ones that stand alone really well and i think i think you know like i think of sorry i'm like really letting my inner doctor my old inner doctor who fan come out but i you know the the um the gas mask children Mm -hmm. episode and blink like these are the iconic doctor who episodes and they really have no bearing on a longer plot essentially yeah definitely i very much associate i mean i think the first time when Russell T Davies did that with the bad wolf one yeah it was great was great and especially because you because it had never happened before you didn't know it was happening and then when you got to the sort of finale and they were like bad wolf and you were suddenly like oh shit people have been saying bad wolf this entire series and I didn't know why mm. um and that was really mind-blowing but um yeah it just it had decreasing returns and became mm. more and more complicated to pull off and required a lot of stupid exposition and I think really distracted from the whole thing Mm. So, um, yeah, I'm pleased to hear that he's not going to do that and hopefully just focus on making good standalone or like two-parter episodes that, as you say, are enjoyable for children who are ultimately supposed to be the audience of the show. Yeah. Um, and I hope that there's like, I think we talked about this last week, but the stats seem to show that more girls mm. are watching than ever before, which is just great, isn't it? Like you just can't argue with stuff like that. That's just brilliant. I'm really happy to see that. Yeah. And I, I really enjoyed this. I was pleased to see that um, they didn't spend a lot of time addressing the fact that she's a woman now. Um, yeah. There were just a couple of occasions where Jodie Whittaker was like, I think there was one even where... Um, she she asked yeah I was like why do you keep saying she and and she was like oh because you're a woman she's like oh am I haven't been for a while you know and just that was it there Mm, wasn't any you know that was that was really good I thought yeah and then also uh, just uh, lots of other bits where they didn't seem to be taking it so seriously so like I remember when the press photo of her in the new outfit was published and lots of people were like oh what is this she looks ridiculous how can because she's wearing kind of short trousers and yellow braces but then the scene where it comes from she's like in a charity shop trying on loads and loads of clothes and then Mm. when she pulls the curtain back to be like look I found it her new friends are like that's what you want to wear okay (laughs) you know so it's sort of is part of a little piece of humour and it becomes an in-joke rather than like yeah, the doctor thinks nice. she looks awesome, you know? Yeah, it was, that was a nice bit. Um, I also just want to shout out to the press material for this because I've really <laughs> loved the slogan that they went for for this series, which was, it's about time. I know. Which I just <laughs> It's so silly and so good. I just love that. It's about time. Um, and then every time so, yeah. I saw that on Twitter, I just thought, give the person who thought of that a raise. A medal, <laughs> it's yeah. Really it's really funny. Just great. Um, yeah, so I, I have enjoyed it. I have mostly avoided the is Doctor Who good slash bad now takes yeah, because 
I honestly couldn't care. I will stop watching it again in a heartbeat if I find it boring. Um, I am not a loyal viewer of Doctor Who, sorry. Mm. But I think I'm going to watch the next couple and see how it goes. Um, because yeah, I did. I did find Jodie Whittaker engaging. I like her. I like it when the Doctor has multiple companions. Um, yeah. Like I always enjoyed. Um, what was Rose's boyfriend name? Boyfriend name. I don't know, but isn't the guy isn't the guy's called like Noel something? Yeah, I know exactly. Who yeah, he yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so I liked it when Doctor Rose and boyfriend used to travel c- together. Ditto, Amy and Rory. You know. Yeah. So um, I think it's better when it's not. Well, up until now, it's always been like older male character, younger female companion, yeah. hasn't it? So I like it when they don't do that. Basically, it's more interesting. And this also gives them the freedom where if like there's a if there's a key relationship that it brings the most to the you know, if, the, if two characters end up having the best tension mm. and the best dynamic, then you can you can lead more heavily with that. But they've kind of got time to figure that out, which I like. Also, no River Song. Yeah. <laughs> which is a great relief to me. <laughs> Always a great relief. Anyway, I'm glad you enjoyed it, actually, Caroline, because, I, yeah, I, I kind of went in sceptical in that. I didn't think it was, didn't think it was bad at all. Mm. So for next week, uh, I've been over the last month or so getting into very, very belatedly getting into Bojack Horseman, which I've seen bits and bobs of. And I think, I believe you've also seen bits and bobs. I've seen a few episodes, but not in a kind of concerted or concentrated way. So we're going to have a little chat about some of the early episodes of Bojack Horseman. Um, Maybe if we both really get into it, we'll end up doing like a season four discussion as a main item on Seriously Sometime. But for now, we're just going to be belated and proud and talk about (laughs) the beginning of Bojack Horseman Um, so stay tuned for that next week Thanks for listening to this episode of Seriously the pop culture podcast from the New Statesman If you enjoyed the show why not subscribe to make sure you never miss another episode We're available in all the usual places you get podcasts including on Apple Podcasts where you could leave us a rating and a review if you fancy. It makes us happy and it also helps other people find the show. If you'd like to come and see us in person check out the events page of our website seriouslypod.com slash events. Details of our next pop culture quiz and anything else we're doing will appear there. We're available many other places on the internet including on Twitter, Facebook and Tumblr. We're Seriously Pod on all of them. Follow us to keep up with what we're up to or to chat to other listeners about things you you've enjoyed on the show we love getting your recommendations for things we should feature on the show or hearing your thoughts on what we've already discussed get in touch on social media or email us on seriouslypod at gmail.com and if you feel strongly that more pop culture needs to be taken seriously spread the word and tell your friends and family about the podcast Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.